Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by JR Dad. Good evening. Good evening, JR Dad. How's everything going? Fine. <laughs> That's what I say when I'm in a really bad mood. No, huh? things are good. I'm not being hostile. <laughs> How are things, Jen? Fine. They're fine. They're fine. That's a universal. I don't think that's just you. No, that's true. Um, got it's anything? never fine. <laughs> uh, you got anything you want to talk about before we jump into murder, mayhem, violence, DNA? What, what do you know? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, then. I'm fine. <laughs> <clears throat> this week, we're talking about the case of Jonathan Alvarado. Let's just get right into it. Is it going to be a murder, attempted murder, or not even close to attempted murder? Because we have all kinds. Wait, what's our not even close to attempted murder? I don't know. Is that sex doll body necrophiliac dude oh that's true no yeah good point i had to stretch though i'm just lucky i pulled that one <laughs> uh that was one of the best stories though so you know i no criticism actually you know we didn't mention in that episode a fact that i knew and had forgotten which is that they made a musical about <laughs> Carl Tanzler i think it was only in like one of the key west theaters community theaters mm -hmm. what was it called oh god i don't remember Hang you better on have a good title because this could be very funny all right so the musical is called undying love oh that's pretty harmless actually <laughs> the miami has miami herald had an article about it and it says key west being key west has mounted a new musical about <laughs> it we cannot confirm that the song list includes quote I am not throwing away my corpse. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Very Key West. So, uh, yeah, if you've ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, it may be like that um, vampire song. Yeah. Uh, opera, opera, yeah. of course. So, uh, anyway, there is a musical, but I think it has only been performed by that one theater in it's, Key West. That's epic. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I felt someone had messaged me about it, Maybe it was after we recorded it. They're like, oh, you might want to do this case, but it's not a murder. And I was like, oh, we have already recorded that episode. And they're like, there's a musical. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> musical? Uh, so, yeah, not popular. But Further research might be needed into that musical. <laughs> Undying love. Um, okay, so this week we're not talking about that. We're talking about an actual murder. But we need to start with a preface to talk about Fantasy Fest. Hmm. So Cool. Yeah, so Key West, uh, obviously, is most of their industry is tourism. And uh, if you care about stuff like this, which I do, there's an interesting book about the whole history of Key West and its industries. And it was like sponges, it was cigars, and military, and uh, now, obviously, it's tourism. Fishing for a long time, or like commercial fishing. Commercial fishing, yeah. But especially sponges. And I guess it smelled real bad because they'd bring in all these sponges and they just you have, they have to dry them out. So they just spread them out on the docks and it smelled like kind of dying fish, rotting fish. Gross. Unlike loofahs, which are not sponges, I learned. No, I, we talked about this on the Golden Ratio podcast, I yep. think. My loofah plants have sprouted and are growing in the garden. Loofahs, though they look like sponges, are just loofahs. They're zucchinis, basically. That's crazy. Yep, you can eat them. We're going to eat some loofahs. So anyway, uh, so 
you know, Key West wants tourists to come. And in the winter, it's no problem to get tourists to come because it's tropical paradise. And so people always want to come there when it's cold. It sucks everywhere else. And uh, they have like mini season. Whoa, who's that, queso? I think so. Uh, they have mini season in like July, which is like an 11-day lobster season. Maybe it's not even No, no, month. it's three days of frenzy. Three days. Uh, so it's like there's there's lobster season, and we have uh, different lobsters in the Keys than you all have in the rest of the country. They don't have claws. They just have big, they're long antennas spiny instead. Spiny lobsters. They're called spiny lobsters. I think that's a lot of the Pacific has spiny lobsters too. Oh, but anyway. True? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we have in the Keys, and you just reach into their holes and pull them out, basically. And uh, they can't pinch your fingers off. Yep. So there's a regular lobster season, and then kind of in the off season, they created mini season, which Jared Dad probably remembers better. And th- that sounds right. It's a few days. It's kind of like the purge. <laughs> you can kind of you can come down as a tourist you can each person can get a permit to catch whatever 11 lobsters a day it's a ridiculous number of lobsters and uh and just tons of people come down for it and so it's like july when a lot of people don't want to come to the keys because it's when we are like yeah we're going down to our house in the keys in july and they're like why would you go to florida in july uh one it's not any worse than here weather wise and i love the weather uh, two, have you been to the Florida Keys? They're tropical paradise. That's why. No, but not for mini season either. No. Um, I guess we'll probably be there during mini season. But anyway, so there are times when there aren't a lot of tourists naturally coming. And then they create stuff to make it more attractive for the tourists to come. And so uh, for some reason, there is a big lull in October that there wouldn't be a lot of tourists coming in October. And so Key West invented this thing called Fantasy Fest. And uh, it's in October, the end of October, kind of right before Halloween. And the idea is that you dress up in costumes and there's big parades and it's like a whole week, dress up, parades, street festivals, whatever. Uh, frankly, a fuckload of nudity. Yeah, it's the Key West spin on Trick or Treat. Yeah. Which is more nudity and like S&M and, you know, it's like on the interesting side of nudity. Let me read you the rules of Fantasy Fest, which I have copied from the Key West Police Department website. I am curious to hear there are rules. Nudity is illegal and is not allowed on public property or in public view at any time, which does not mean it's not allowed inside places. Lewd acts on public property or in public view are strictly illegal and not tolerated. Body painting, which is how we get around these nudity rules, is allowed, but must be done in enclosed or screened-in areas entirely out of public view. Wait, so if you're painted, you're not nude. This is the this is the definition. If well, I'm here. Let me read the next sentence. Yeah. Painted female breasts are permitted, but mm, only nice. allowed within the designated fantasy zone, <laughs> <laughs> which is like all of Duval Street. Nice. Please wear a cover-up to avoid illegal exposure on public property and on all city streets outside the fantasy zone. <laughs> Look how you say that. <laughs> and so what you get is lots of naked women, and they'll, and I mean dudes too, actually. Good-looking so dudes. I like a lot of like buff gay dudes who are just like pretty hot. Yes, for, for and then also some very not hot dudes. And women. Oh, oh yes, all around. There are some people who generally... Shouldn't, shouldn't be naked. 
I mean, most people don't go like, my public experience is enhanced by their nudity. <laughs> there are also plenty of people who are like, that's improved the scenery. Uh, but it's, it's definitely a mix. Uh, and yeah, they basically will wear thongs, the teeniest, tiniest of thongs, and then be full-on body painted with something and naked otherwise. And frankly, I think there's some guys who don't even wear the thongs. They just got their Schlongs. genitals body painted. <laughs> I've seen pictures of this stuff huh. um, walking around on the street. And a lot of them are drunk, to be honest. Pretty much all of them are drunk, yeah. I think. Um, it's not a thing I think I would have a good time at. I think I'd be just like, y'all are drunk slash high slash obnoxious, and I'm out. It's a little too intense. I, I want more laid back, and I feel like it's just a little too much for me. Yeah. But whatever. Like, I'm all for them doing it. Like, have a great time, everybody. Like, just not my scene. Uh, but anyway, so this is Fantasy Fest. It is a big, long festival, parades. All the bars have parties. In October, you say. Uh, end of October, mm-hmm. to kind of piggyback on Halloween, where people are thinking about costumes and dress up anyway. And now you just get to do it sort of naked, basically. Because <laughs> it's also warm enough to be naked. That's another yes, thing, Yes, right? for you, sure. If you did that in Chicago, you'd be like, oh, everyone died <laughs> from exposure. No men would do it, because <laughs> they'd be like, meh. Look how small. Yeah. Um, Yes, and uh, it's kind of like a cross between Halloween and Mardi Gras, plus nudity. Plus nudity. Yeah. Uh, so I, I give you that background because our murder from this week takes place during Fantasy Fest. I knew you were going to link that up. Fantasy Fest murder. Uh, so we're at October 28th, 2011. Okay. Okay, Fantasy Fest 2011. Jonathan Alvarado, he's 32 years old. He's originally from Venezuela, but he's been in Key West for a long time. He is a server at La Trattoria Oceanside. Mm. Uh, super laid back, easygoing guy. His boss called him Greenpeace because he was so laid back and Good loved everything. Um, so he is. He lives in Key West. He is celebrating Fantasy Fest. So he's wearing um, all black and fairy wings. Yeah. And uh, there's a dude that we see all the time in fantasy, uh, in fairy wings. So he's an older gentleman, I would say, 60s. You think that's fair? Could be young 70s. (laughs) Could be young 70s. Uh So when we rented our house, before we bought our house, so this is kind of two winters ago. Right after we got queso, yeah. Yep. We uh, we were like, okay, let's go into Key West and have dinner. And I'm like, there's this place called Blue Heaven. It looks pretty good. Let's try it. This was our first exposure to our now favorite place. So we kind of park our car and we're walking around and we walk past this bar. And of course, everything's outdoors in Key West. The bars are outdoors. And there's this dude and it's December, right? Like December 18th, 19th. There's a dude sitting at this outdoor bar on a bar stool. And he's in a red velvet thong with white trim and red fairy wings and a Santa hat. That's about it. I think that's entirely it. it he it. probably had some flip-flops And he on. was pretty tan. <laughs> he was like that leathery kind of Florida tan that you get. tan. And uh, we talk about that guy a lot. And then we just saw him, I think when we were back down there in May. Yeah. Um, but he was wearing black fairy wings and a black thong. He was just in, I guess, his non-Santa fairy garb. Formal. 
Yeah, formal. <laughs> He's like the pantless dude in D.C. I mean, you know, some of these guys are fixtures. There's that pantless guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Jonathan Alvarado, I don't think he was naked but for the fairy wings. He was wearing black in addition to black fairy wings. Now, I have a pair of wings like that in my giant pile of costumes upstairs. Mine are white. Yeah, they were part of an angel costume. But basically the way those work is that there's like little elastics that go over your shoulders, kind of like a backpack. And uh, and that is what holds the wings on. You can't you. fly for shit. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had any luck with it. I no, know. you no, just injure yourself. Could just be technique. Um, so that's what he's wearing. He is out and uh, and is super drunk. So he goes into this bar called Don's Place, just annoying the crap out of everybody. It's 4 a.m. during mm. Fantasy Fest. He's like walking up to people and just hanging on them. He's just, just sloppy Butting drunk. into their conversations, picking up their drinks, drinking them like maybe accidentally. It's just like, there's a drink. I'm going to drink the drink. Yeah, okay. So everybody's just like annoyed as crap with this Dude guy. Dude needs to go or stop drinking. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so eventually they ask him to leave. They're like, all right, dude, like, come on. Like, you're pissing everybody off. Can't stay here. Don't have to go home. You don't home. have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. And, uh, and so they kick him out. Uh, so at 4 a.m.-ish, they huh. kick him out. At 7 a.m., uh, Roberto Lobo, who lives in Key West, steps out of his house and he sees Jonathan Alvarado's body laying underneath a delivery truck. And so he calls 911. So he just kind of sees this body there, calls 911. Um, and he, you know, obviously he's dead at that point. It is about murder. Mm -hmm. I told you we had a murder. So this is the murder. So this guy's drunk, but fine. And, uh, and as, even though he's drunk and, like, super annoying, he's not violent. He's not aggressive. Uh, everyone's like, look, he's very gentle. He's peace-loving. He's like that all the time. He doesn't get in fights with people. He's almost, like, too lovey. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of the problem. Now. He's coming up, like, putting his arm around people, drinking their drinks, like, just trying to talk to them. Mm -hmm. No one is pissed off that he's, like, aggressive. They're just, like... He too, just too wouldn't much. leave us alone. Too much, Alvarez. <laughs> just needs too to, much. Yeah, needs to back off. Um, and so there's a memorial for him on the following Monday where his body had been found. Uh, you know, they're asking people about him. They have a quote from some guy who kind of pedals up on his bike and left some flowers. And they interviewed the guy. They didn't even get his name. This is one of the Keys papers. And the guy's just like, he didn't deserve it. Right. So he's a pretty, he's lived in Key West for almost 10 years, I think eight or nine years. People know him. You know, he's a server. He's like one of the locals. Everybody no, loves him. So no one can. And enemies. Yeah. No one can kind of figure it out. Um, so he works at this one restaurant, a different restaurant, uh, McConnell's Irish Pub, which is on Duval Street. Uh, they have a memorial for him. They set up an account for him at the Wells Fargo Bank, so people are making donations and to pay for his like burial and his funeral, to send his body back to his family in Venezuela afterwards. So everybody's like a big fan yeah. of this guy. So they got to figure out what happened to him. Yeah, I was going to get to. I was going to ask, and then I thought she's going to get to it. And this is sort of the important part. Yes, good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they get his body, they do an autopsy, and they basically find two simultaneous methods of death. 
two things that happened at the same time that would have killed him, and you can't really tell which one. One is that he was strangled with the wings that he was wearing uh, and strangled to death. He also had his skull crushed by a 25-pound coral rock that was found next to his body, so they find the rock there. Um, so the guess is probably he was strangled and then had his skull bashed in right at the same time. It could be the reverse, that the guy hit him in the head. The then head blow would have been fatal. Then you wouldn't strangle someone, I guess. Um, but it's kind of both things at once. You don't really know which one it was, but it's obviously like a person did this to him. And uh, and so it's like, all right, well, now we got to figure out who this person was. And so they start looking at... You know, who are the people he ran into? Well, it's a lot of people because he's like bar hopping during Fantasy Fest. And I mean, Key West is packed during Fantasy Fest. And there's a lot of bars. There's a ton of bars and there's a ton of tourists. There's people in town. Uh, So all the bars are packed. And uh, so they're like, okay, well, we got to figure out who did this. And uh, so police start going around and asking around and some witnesses who are at Don's bar, this, the formal name of this place is Don's Million Dollar Bar uh, say that they saw him Al, uh, Jonathan Alvarado he's got his angel wings on with this guy uh, who's wearing a light colored suit which is mm-hmm. part of his fantasy fest costume mm-hmm. so eventually they identify the guy in the white suit as Peter Eric Hedval. He is also a Key West sort of local. I mean, he wasn't born there, but he lives there. He used to be the bouncer at uh, Irish Kevin's Bar, which is a big tourist bar. Could uh, be Kevin's Irish, I don't know. Irish Kevin's? Yeah, but it's next to Sloppy Joe's. Irish Kevin's Irish Bar. <laughs> Irish Kevin's Bar. Kevin's Irish Bar. It, the article calls it Irish Kevin's Bar. I think that's right. Um, so P- Peter Eric Hedval. Is the guy in the Sounds white suit. Sounds like a Bond villain, and I'm in for this. <laughs> I think he's originally from Wisconsin, which sort of makes yes, sense because you got Sweden, the, actually. Swedes up there. Um, so he people know him as the guy in the suit because he's a local, right? He's not a tourist who's just in town. So they're like, mm. yeah, that's the guy. And they saw them together at the bar, and they're like, so that's someone he definitely was talking to and seemed kind of irritated at him. And of course... The police are going to talk to everybody that they they know who was talking to him. And so they start investigating this Peter Eric Hedval guy. And uh, eventually they get a warrant and they collect the white suit, the outfit that he was wearing that night. And on it, they find a little bit of blood. Not a lot, but there's some. And they DNA test it and the blood comes back. To Jonathan Alvarado. Uh-huh. So. How about coral? Did they find coral? Uh, the rock was next to the body. Mm. And I, it's hard to, like, fingerprint a rock, especially a coral rock. This is uh, a failing. She does not have service, uh, surfaces that would, like, hold a fingerprint. They're all, they're super saying, bumpy. It could be everything. bits of coral on his suit. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, anyway, but blood is better. Yeah, so they find the blood of the victim on the outfit of this guy and so then they go to trial uh the lawyers for the defense are like oh you can't introduce those pictures of the head wound that you know they i think the medical examiner said that the head wound was the main cause of death but he also was strangled with the wings you can't show the head wound that's unduly prejudicial 
they yeah, say. There's a whole debate about that, yeah. Yeah, like the jury's just going to see it and they're going to want to convict somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, the judge allowed it in. Uh, the judge sort of allowed it in. He's like, all right, well, you know, like they had already shown some of the photographs and then the defense objected. And so the judge is like, all right, well, you can't show them again, basically. So the jurors could access them in deliberations if they wanted to, but basically you can't keep showing those over and over again. Like you've shown them, you're done. Um, Seems fair. Yeah. And of course the prosecutors are like, look, man, like not only did this guy smash the other dude in the head with a rock, he also strangled him. Like this was a really kind of like overkill sort of attack. Um, Nice. Overkill. Yeah, I think that's my word instead of Two causes of death instead of one. Overkill. Yeah, you don't need to strangle him if you already smashed his head in. Uh, So then they bring in the DNA expert uh, who testifies, yeah, here's how we collected it. We got the clothes from Hedval. We got blood from the victim. And uh, we found blood from the victim on both the clothes and the boots that Hedval was wearing on the day of the murder. Uh, and then there's all kinds of like legal bullshit that goes on where the defense says, oh, this is like a discovery violation because we didn't know about all of this. And the judge is like, not really. Like maybe there was a little bit of this you didn't know about, but like it's trivial. He called it a trivial violation. So it's not like they didn't know there was DNA evidence. Uh, and so there's this whole thing. The defense is saying, oh, that there needs to be a mistrial. Uh, and the judge is like, no, shut up. And they're like, but the prosecutor pointed his finger at me. And the judge is like, I am not the babysitter. <laughs> like, if you're pissed off about it, you go file a complaint with the bar. Like, this is not what we're here for. So it sounds like it got to be. It's a real character gallery there. Yeah. Uh, and then the defense is trying to say, look, sure, you found this blood on the guy who's up for trial, Hedval. But, one, how do you know he was the one wearing that outfit when the blood got on it? And then it's like... Witnesses. You have witnesses who saw them talking to each other at the bar a couple hours before his body was found. And they're like, yeah, well, that outfit... You know, this guy was a bouncer at a bar. The outfit that he was wearing, this, like, white suit and boots was previously owned by another guy who worked at the bar who had committed suicide. And so somehow after his suicide, the outfit passed to the defendant. But when the suicide worked at the bar, we know that the victim also used to come into the bar as a patron. And so it's possible that the victim bled on the previous guy at some point when he was in the bar. And that's how the blood got there. And then it just so happens that the defendant borrowed the outfit or, you know, whatever, put on the outfit for Fantasy Fest and was hanging out with the same guy. And then the same guy happened to get murdered. Uh, You know, I commend the lawyers for running up the billing and billable hours. Yep. And then they're like, and even if that blood did get on there that in some way, you didn't do this other fancy test, which exists now that lets you test DNA if there's two if there's like mixed blood samples, if there's two people's blood mixed together, and why didn't you do that test? And she's like, because we did the test for one person and it showed the, like the victim's blood on, and they're like, yeah, but you could have done this other test, right? So they're really trying hard to make it seem like they screwed up, yeah. uh, which 
I read this pretty carefully and it doesn't seem like they did at all. <laughs> it just seems uh. like, you know, it's like, oh, you have a test where you can test for this thing. And they're like, yeah, but that's not the thing that was going on. There's no reason to use that test. And they're like, but you didn't do the other test. Why didn't you do the other test? Right? So uh, the trial concludes, the jury retires, they convict Hedval of second degree murder. And Good. then the jurors start talking um, anonymously. Oh. So one juror, she says, I walked away yesterday saying that I put an innocent man in jail. Bah. And she's like, I believed basically everything that the defense said. Like, I think this was completely reasonable doubt. Like, yeah, what if the guy bled on him someplace else? And why didn't they do the other test? And also, the guy who was sharing a jail cell with Hedval, who said he confessed to the crime. Like, I didn't believe that guy. He wasn't very credible. And the people at the bar who said they saw him together, like, I didn't believe them either because they were drunk. And, oh, yeah, and then the... Uh, the defendant, Hedval, he had glitter on him that they showed was from the wings. She's like, except he also went to a strip club and strippers wear glitter. So how do we know that it's not stripper glitter instead of the wing glitter? So she was just like the perfect juror for the defense, except that she didn't hold out for not convicting him. Uh, she's just like, yeah, everything could be something different. But she wanted to go home, so she said guilty. She said, I felt really bullied and harassed, and oh they wouldn't leave me goodness. alone. And, uh, I mean, I think it's like no one explained to her the difference between reasonable doubt and total absence of doubt. Kooky conspiracy theory doubt. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I like I was reading her thing, and I'm like, all right, like, I get that you could go, like, maybe I don't believe, like, this piece of DNA evidence. I mean, I don't agree with you, but I could see how someone could kind of reasonably maybe go that way. But then she's just like, and nothing, they, I don't believe anything. They're all, it all could be something else. He's still alive, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it almost was like that. And she's like, but they were really like, it was very aggressive and everyone was giving me a hard time. And so I told him, you know, I wasn't going to give in, but I'd go along with second degree murder. And so that everyone was like, fine. So it was like, apparently her and one other juror didn't want to convict him. On and, first degree. On well, first degree. Yeah. And she, I mean, I don't know if the other one wanted, just thought second degree. Um, and then a different juror went on the radio anonymously and was sort of like, look, like, yeah, like we were having discussions about it, but like no one was harassing anybody. No one was abusing anyone. Like we're just, you know, it's a high stakes case and we're having discussions. It was all civil it was a deliberation and you know this is the verdict that we came to and so apparently this one juror was real pissed off but like look people if you're on a jury and you really think the person didn't do it you don't have to agree with everyone else you can be the one juror who's like nope you guys can argue forever nope i'm not doing it and you should if you really think the person is innocent if you really really believe the person's innocent why are you going to send an innocent person to jail just because there's 11 other people who think you're wrong? No. I would just say have some arguments and some points instead of like, he just looks innocent. I mean, she wasn't like that, though. She's like, they should have done this other test and this guy's unreliable and this guy's unreliable and there's like a potential explanation for every single thing, even though none of them make sense together. 
right. which is the real thing, they're right? Not, they're not, yeah, it's a very lawyer-esque in the alternative. If you don't like this, then how about that? And and if you don't he, like that, then... He wasn't just... there, but if he was there, oh. he didn't do this thing. But if he did do that thing, this other thing. Yeah. This what? is why lawyering drives me crazy, because it's like, you're not, inter- you're not interested in telling me the truth. You just want me to question the other side, which... I get is sort of the job of a defense lawyer. Yeah, if you think the trials are designed to find the truth, you're going to be disappointed in real life. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, the first, you know, I work on some legal stuff as an expert witness, and just the stuff that you see where it's just like, you guys are, are like looking for every argument to make to kind of get the thing you want, which I understand is your job, but it's not at all a pursuit of the truth. It's a pursuit of like, how do I manipulate the rules to get me what I want? Uh, I find it really upsetting. Gotta win. Yeah. I mean, as a scientist, like this is not how we work, right? Like there's some, I mean, there are obviously some scientists who fake things, but they're disgraced scientists. Like that's a, you get kicked out if they catch you doing that. Yeah. And look, the, Legal profession has the same standards, right? You're not supposed to fabricate. You can't lie to the tribunal. You have to present fairly to the tribunal. You have to give, you know, all the case law, even if it's against you. But a lot of that's sort of black letter law, and it's everyone's very competitive. Yeah. Frankly, I mean, it's much more of an ego thing than a principle thing. The a lot of alpha male lawyers who really want to win, and prosecutors too, and nah. gets messy and weird. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway, that's the end of our case here. So, the guy... Oh. but the, So, the, the judge didn't go back and... Judge is like, he's order 100% a new, guilty. Re, re, no. new trial or anything like that. No, because the jury came back unanimous on second-degree murder. Yeah, yeah. So, so even though they were talking later... They didn't lead to a mistrial or anything nope, like that. Nope. Oh, good, 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 so, good, good, good. Uh, the end. Guilty of second-degree murder. Yeah. Screw Into. you, Hedval. Yep, yep. I, and, but interestingly, like, I did a bunch of reading, and nobody really said why like we know that jonathan alvarado was like sort of irritating people in this bar but like nothing to the point where anyone would want to kill him and so we don't know why headball did this like no speculation no no good no i didn't find anything about the why uh so anyway there you go that is the fantasy fest murder i will add in one unrelated case thing but sort of related to what you were saying which is I was listening to an old episode of my favorite murder today and they were talking about this guy this like sort of sadistic terrible dude who murdered his girlfriend and he uh he like had made this list of basically all the ways he wanted to torture her kidnapped her did all this terrible stuff and somehow recruited his ex-girlfriend to come and take pictures of it and the ex-girlfriend eventually goes to the cops and is like, here's what he did. He kidnapped her. He tied her up. He like tortured her in all these ways, which we're not going to repeat here. And then eventually murdered her. I was there. Like he had me taking pictures of it. Uh, and she obviously like both is like kind of a dick for doing that, but also I think was very seriously abused by this guy who was violent and awful. And she wore a wire. They recorded like these conversations and basically the defense convinced the jury that like when he's talking about the burial site that he's, that he was saying safe instead of sight. And so the jury's like, oh, they just buried a safe. They didn't do this other stuff. The ex-girlfriend must have murdered him. They acquit the guy. And then the guy sells his house. A contractor's in there pulling up the carpet, pulls up the carpet, finds a vent, like a floor vent, 
takes the vent cover off and inside it finds a Ziploc bag with all the jewelry that the victim had been wearing plus three undeveloped rolls of film that the ex-girlfriend had taken that show the dude murdering her. And it's like, what? I mean, like, you look at this evidence. They played calls. Like, he's obviously saying that he did this. The girlfriend, obviously credible. But apparently, like, she didn't dress all conservative in court. And the defense just, like, totally bamboozled the jury. Let him off. Double and jeopardy. they find the picture. Double jeopardy. So he ended up going to jail like a bunch of consecutive times, essentially for perjury, because he mm. testified in front of a grand jury. He'd get out for one, and then they'd bring him in on perjury for something else. And so, uh, you know, he didn't get the life without parole sentence that he should have got. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, that is like amazingly bad. Like the the worst thing is the prosecutor, which is like, you think you have this airtight case, and they had a great case. And the judge was so upset by the jury verdict that he's like, if it had just been me, I would have sent him to jail for life. He wrote an apology letter to the family. <laughs> like the judge was just incensed by the whole thing. The defense attorneys just completely like got the jury over on their side. And then you literally find pictures of the perpetrator killing the victim yeah. after the trial. Terrible. So anyway. It's a terrible system. It's a messed up system. I Except don't know what the would be next than. worst thing might be any other system. That's the thing that people like to say. It's not easy. All right. You ready for a dog palate cleanser? Uh, am I ever. Oh, my gosh. Lay so, it on me. <laughs> uh, this comes yet again from the Dodo, which is our sort of go-to source for good dog stories. And, and a mule, but also dog. Yep, yep. I mean, got, that's right. They have tons of great stuff. But uh, I just try to find the, uh, the dog stories. So... Uh, the one that I found for this week is a dog named Leo, and Leo escaped or was stolen from his family home in Turkey. Family couldn't find him, and then they like go looking, and the son of the owners, two months after Leo goes missing, is like walking along the street and sees this stray dog like laying outside a cafe all bedraggled, and he's like, man, that really looks like Leo. But he, he's an adult, so he didn't live with Leo. Sends a picture to his parents. He's like, do you think this is Leo? And the parents are like, we're coming. So they like drive out there, and they walk up, and Leo's like, Omg, it's my fam! And it's like this poor, just like sad, bedraggled, stray dog. And these people walk up, and he's like, oh, you're back! And he's like jumping all over Aww. them, and like crying, and running back and forth between everybody. That's and they're great. all hugging him, and... Uh, bring him home, and so now he's like back with his family. And so. they can't ask him what happened because he's a dog. No, and they said that they so apparently the family had three dogs, and within a couple weeks, all of them went missing. So they think so there's like a dog napper who has missing, come yeah. in and taken them. Um, but so they're like, now, well, at least we have some hope that we'll find the other two yeah, also. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Leo was out on the street and. They found him, so now he's back home. There's a real uh, happy picture of him reunited with the whole fam. Oh, he's he is adorbs. Shaggy white dog. Yeah. And uh, so he had a rough couple months, but now he's back with his family. Luckily, was found. Indeed. No, that's my a good story. Worst nightmare: one of the dogs going missing. I feel like I might <sighs> lose my mind. I'd just be like, I can't do anything. I just got to go find my dog. You would. Terrible. It would be months later, and you'd still be looking for your dog. Oh, it would be. 
it'd be terrible. I well, can't. You imagine. wouldn't. There was no good point to stop. To no. Find them. No, I would go crazy. No. Um, but anyway, these people got Leo back, so it's great. Uh, we'll post up a link, and you can see the video of them actually like walking up. They're like, "All right, we're going to the cafe," and so one of them like had their cell phone going, nice, making a video, and they walk up and they find him, and you see the dog go, oh, <laughs> "It's you!" and like get all excited, and they're like, "Oh my god!" So That's awesome. It's great. Um, any parting words before we go? No, I mean. Random bad stuff happens. People are jerks. Yep. But then there's good dog stuff that happens. Yeah, somebody stole those other dogs, too, though. I mean, a good point. There's some jerkiness there. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, until next week, keep your dog safe and uh, don't conk out. Bye. Bye.